Hey everyone, this is Jamie Pride and welcome to episode 12 of the Failure Proof Podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jamie Pride and thank you for joining us on the podcast where we explore performance, resilience and the mindset needed to thrive in the modern workplace. During the course of promoting my last book, I was privileged to meet Osher Ginsberg and appear on his podcast. I was taken aback by his openness and his commitment to destigmatizing mental health, and I'm privileged to have him on the podcast today. For those of you who don't know him, Osher Ginsberg is widely recognized by his former stage name, Andrew G, and he is an Australian television and radio presenter who is best known as the host of the reality TV series, The Bachelor Australia, The Bachelorette Australia, and Bachelor in Paradise Australia. He's also known for hosting uh, roles on Channel V. Uh, he also hosted Australian Idol and hosted radio shows including Take 40 Australia and The Hot Hits. He also narrated the factual television program Bondi Rescue. His memoir, Back After the Break, was published by HarperCollins in August 2018 and debuted at number one on the charts. In this interview, Osha speaks very openly about his mental health journey, the motivation behind writing his latest book and training for the cover of Men's Health magazine. A word of warning, this episode speaks frankly about mental health and suicide ideation. If you are struggling, please get help. It's absolutely crucial that you talk to someone. In Australia, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Osher is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. He has been extremely brave in destigmatizing mental health, and I'm sure you'll take something away from this interview. Yeah, yeah, I feel terrible. I feel terrible because I ran out of the house, and I even had a copy of my book to give to you as I ran. I've got out a copy of, the house. of it anyway. I just got a digital. Like, oh, really? Yeah, of course. Oh, of yeah. course, I bought and read the book. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I should get you, you gave me your book, and I wanted to. I don't know. It's a thing now. Like you come on my podcast. Well, yeah, I, I got your point. That's like it's you like, give me your book. Uh, I got you. Uh, it's like this reciprocal. <laughs> yeah, but I wish I had your sales results. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's kind of interesting. You come out the same week as Barefoot Investors. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like no, Barefoot Investors been selling like uh, man, like that's a, like it's a behemoth. If you send the sales results, mate, it just keeps he's, coming. He's clever. Is like the one that's all, number one at the moment is the 2017 edition. He's got a reprint. He's got the 2018 oh, mate, edition it's coming a, out of the it's, month. It's a tidal wave that so, all other authors just sit behind and just. Yeah, so people <laughs> are like they see it in the press, so they go out and buy the one. They see it in the short <laughs> stop shops. That's not the new edition. Oh no! So the new edition is going to get two sales in a year from one person. I um, I've got another book coming out, but I'm waiting until you get off the bestseller list first. <laughs> How you going, man? It's good to see it's you. It's good, buddy. Likewise. Nice podcast setup. Yeah. Bro. Um. Well, firstly, <laughs> this is the Osher podcast like mini version. Um. Yeah, I've ripped your podcasting uh format and gear off. Uh, I've got to say, thank look, you. Look, it's important. Like any business, you've got to have to have a robust foundation. And I, like I said yesterday, I did one, I won't say who, but I did a podcast and they were on GarageBand and using no. USB microphones. And the thing just crashes. Yeah. If you're going to do a podcast, make the, make the investment, get a hard disk, get a solid state recorder and don't fuck about. No. Get good microphones. Totally. But format is important too. I mean, before I met you, I'd probably done 50 or I was on the book tour, did 50 podcasts. First podcast that felt like a conversation conversation than an interview and uh and i really and i thought you know what like in my space there's just it's got to be done as an investor yeah as an investor what are you when someone's pitching you Mm. what are you doing more of are you asking questions or are you listening um a bit of both actually 
a bit of both. It's a conversation. But there's more. There's so many more people who they'll interview and they just have a list of ten questions. Yeah, and they don't understand that in that last answer you've just dropped the clue that if they're smart, they'll, they'll pick it up. They'll go. Oh, here it is. This yeah. is the paragraph that will change everything. But no, they just go. And so, when did you? It's, like, it's, listen, it's, man. it's, it's, it's terrible. about listening. The answers. To your, your next question is in the last answer. Uh, exactly. It really, really, really is. It, exactly. And I, and I think it makes a huge difference. I think just the conversation, hmm. right? Make it naturally flows. I've managed to meet some amazing people. I mean, as you have probably as well. <laughs> you definitely have. I've been following your podcast. Um, you don't do things by half measure, though. Since I saw you last, <laughs> and you had the secret project last time I saw you last, yeah. and you couldn't tell me. And I'm like, under here. <laughs> I showed the, you photos. Remember, I did show you. I did show you. You, you did. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, the funny thing is. I was I did some quick research recently and I saw like a body shaming piece that you got in news or somewhere yeah. like that. It was like Daily a couple, Mail. Daily Mail. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about showing them. Well, um, so you're talking about the men's health cover, yeah. which I was in the middle of when we spoke. Yeah. And I couldn't say what it was for, but I was going, right. listen, man, like right. as far as my head's concerned, there's resistance training. There's something there. Yeah, it's really totally. getting my head right. And less like tw- – at minimum, this like I'll do twenty minutes of kettlebells in the morning, and that'll just it'll just really just, it just lock everything it in, just gets all those hormones released, mm. uh, which is what. The, yes, there's muscle growth. Yes, there's fat loss. Mm. That's great. Yet, it's getting that dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. That's the big one. That's yeah. the resilience one. The That's, interesting thing for me is a forty-five-year-old fat dude who's a vegetarian. Right. Um, I met Larry Emder after he did his cover. Yeah. Because um, um, we both donate. I uh, donated to the um, Sydney Children's Hospital. Um, and uh, it's inspiring to see other older. Oh, not you're an older dude, but you know it means that I can do it. Yeah, right? yeah, it's possible. Do it. It's actually, and it's, it's, it's possible, right? It's really, it's it's actually way easier than you think. You tell just, me about that. Like anything, you just do what other people tell you. All right. Um, as <laughs> I'm I, as, not really good at following as orders. As much though. as I, as much as I dislike the general way that he's kind of got people to think about how psychology works. Dr. Phil, I'm, I'm not really a fan of him, but he no. does have this one line, how's that working out for you? Mm. And my mentor would always say, uh, I'd say, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. And he goes, and how's that working out for you? Like terrible. He goes, all right, you think it might be time to listen to someone else's ideas on this? Mm. Yes, David. And so it's I'd learned actually through sobriety, Jamie, just whatever my ideas are, my best ideas – my best. Where did my best ideas get me? My best ideas at one point in my life, the very best, the smartest I could possibly, the best decisions I made left me divorced, unemployed, paying rent out of my savings in a foreign country. Mm. Maybe it's time to listen to someone else's ideas because yeah. it doesn't look like mine are really that good. And mm. having the humility to go, fuck me, this is my my best thinking got me here. Huh. My methods of doing things got me hit. Maybe someone else has a better idea of how to do this and just shutting up and going, okay, I know that I want to do that, but that hasn't been working out. I'll follow this plan. And then just every day, just do that every day. But for, for the high IQ, ego-driven people, that's hard. Like for me, like I've got a, I have a, I had a track in my head that says, but the things that got me and made me successful – are the things that will continue to make me successful. Yeah. Um, and then there's a sort of intersection where you sort of kind of have a, a, I guess, 
you want to hit it rock bottom or you, you kind of have an, an event that kind of smacks you in the face. So yeah. I was speaking to Jack DeLosa recently and he was talking about, you know, this idea that the universe keeps serving you up lessons until you learn it and it starts by whispering and then it, then it starts shouting at you and then it just yeah. smacks you in the face with the baseball yeah. bat. Um, and I think for some people they get the message a lot earlier. I haven't in my life. I mean, I get it really late. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, you got to really club me. <laughs> like it's more than a baseball bat. But it's also, it's, I guess it's also, yeah, it's having that humility to understand um, and, uh, you know, that this is the if the limits of you're, – you're limiting your possibility of success and you're limiting your possibility of achievement by your thoughts, all mm. right? Other people have – like there are better, smarter people than every single person. One mm. of, every single one of us is a smarter person with better ideas, mm. right? There's other people out there who have better ideas at how to do what we're doing. Mm. Why would we limit ourselves? Why would we go, this is as far as I go. This is how I do it and that's it. Ego. Surely, Yeah, exactly. Get your fucking ego out of the way and understand that there's another five kilometers of runway ahead of you if only you just go and open the door and go through that and have the humility to understand that you're not – you haven't got the best ideas and there are mm. other people. And well, what happens then is then you then open up this extraordinary possibility that you otherwise had denied yourself. Mm. And it's just by going, all right, I'm not the smartest person in the room and other people. And what, what are you doing then? You're giving yourself a gift of achieving the thing you wished you could have achieved. It's amazing. Because you're holding yourself back by going, no, my way is the way. It's Bullshit. amazing when you bring other people into your life. Like I, I spent the better, better part of my early career, I guess, thinking that I was the smartest person in the room, right? And and I think that it's just it's just more enriching when you start to meet other people, be more receptive to their ideas. Um, but it's a humbling experience, I think. But it's hard to know when someone like you, when you've got so much evidence that my ideas are great, when mm. you've got investors throwing money at you, mm. when your your metrics are just off the chain, when people are toasting you, when you're mm. getting flown from here to there, it's hard to not think, fuck, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Mate, oh, man, 12 bottles of Dom Perignon sent to your office, yes, right? Like, and you exactly. just go, how good am I? Yeah, really, <laughs> right. I know what I'm doing, <laughs> yeah. all right? But, yeah. you know, was- it's also then just having the – you know, humility to understand that. So this is what I, could, what I can achieve with the best ideas that I've got. What if I combined my best ideas with someone else's? Mm. You know, I don't have all of the answers. Understand that you can, like Mario Kart, when you're flinging around the track, you get that banana, you can 2X, 3X, 4X what you're mm. doing by listening to someone else and going, how can I apply what you've got to learn to me? Because this is what's going to catapult me forward and and multiply exponentially my 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 capability and the possibility ahead of me. If I limit myself to thinking I'm the only one that knows the best thing to do, mm-hmm. you, you ultimately, you, you might have an, an initial amount of success, but then you're just going to grind yourself in the ground running in circles. Mm. Yeah, man, it's you just got to listen and have the humility to go, maybe there's a better way to do it. That's one of the, um, I guess, the the amazing things to come out of, and you inspired me to make a podcast, right, for sure, cool. um, is just meeting a bunch of really interesting, diverse people mm. um, and hearing their stories um, more than sort of, you know, pounding them with questions. But just just there's just, just such a richness to just meeting other people. I think it's just fascinating. Jack's an interesting cat. He is. Do you know him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's an interesting cat. He's doing a lot of really good work. In and has had, a, has had a crazy journey. Yeah, he sure right? has. Right? Um, 
And, you know, he was at the highest of highs and, and got mm. smacked down and has yeah. stood back up. I mean, the podcast is really around resiliency and the second book is around – it's called Failure Proof. Mm. Um, and um, if my publisher's listening, I'm sure I'm writing at some point in time, you know. We'll talk about writing books in a moment because yeah. I am intrinsically lazy. Um, I want to know your book writing method. But, All right. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed the book, Raw. Thanks, man. Fully raw. Like, Thanks, man. Um, the, uh, it wasn't what I was gonna. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Even having met you, like, um, and and know a little bit about your journey, it it sort of like meanders around and then hits you, and then it meanders around and then hits you. Like the only, <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it. Um, I'm like, yeah, and there's a story and blah blah, and then I like, bow, and I'm like, wow. Um, Tell me, I mean, this is going to be the question of why. I mean, I know why you share your story and I think um, we've spoken about it before. I think it's absolutely necessary, but you didn't have to put a book out. Um, you could have kept some of that back, um, but you went full on yeah. or pushed all in. Absolutely. Right? Were you scared shitless? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally terrified. When, when you were writing it or when you got close to publishing it? No, when it? it was all locked away. When it was locked and loaded and the printing presses were wearing and they're like, yeah, we're going to make 10,000 copies. I'm like, fuck, I really cannot. It's already, it's it's beyond my control now. This yeah. story's going to get out there and people are going to know. How long? How long from concept? Because it's a cathartic process, right? I mean, how long from start to final draft and locked? Of writing or yeah, of pitching? writing. Oh, writing, okay. writing. So... Oh, so, did, take me back. So, oh, okay, when so, did the concept of coming a book come okay, up? Okay, so well, the concept, to be honest, and uh, you'll be doing an intro to this. Yes, I okay. will be. Yes. So, it's super important that you do a trigger warning about yes, of course. responsible reporting, reporting yes. of suicide because that's yeah. super important. And if, if this, you know, if what I'm about to tell you makes you go, huh, huh, um, lifeline if you're in Australia, 13, 11, 14, um, just get on that phone number, put your hand up, make a call. Um, when, and I write about this in the book, when I was first, and it's a bit of a long story to get to it, and it feels weird to cut straight to the point, but um, I wrote about it in the book, and I don't want to do it to service because, you know, we have a lot to talk about, but um, when the first suicidal ideations showed up, they showed up in a way that I was so unex- – I did not expect. Mm. When the suicidal ideations, when the active and passive suicidal ideations, uh, suicidal ideations around came around, it was – it was not a frightening thing. Right. It was like, hey, guess what? I'm cooking your favorite meal for dinner. Mm. And when you walk into the house, it's going to smell incredible. And you can sit down and you're going to eat with your best friends ever. And it's going to be awesome. Mm. <gasps> I so want that. Mm. That's It was this warm, welcoming, kind idea. It wasn't a frightening thing. It wasn't like when you got to call someone and go, oh, it's not working out. I don't yeah. want to see you in again. Or right. I want a divorce. Or sorry, I've got to fire you. Or it wasn't a. No, a, you didn't it, have that. No. Actually, anxiety, right? No, it was a. Yeah, I know. Oh, and as soon as I knew that, Jamie, as soon as I saw how welcoming and seductive, and I was like, fuck, I have to tell people. Because I, mm. I, you know, you, me, everyone mm. has lost someone to suicide. Mm. I did not understand that it showed up as a really smart, again, mm. as a great idea. For me personally, you know, I heard you describe it to Todd Sampson. And um, for me, the only time that I've really consideredly thought about it, it felt like a warm blanket. Yeah. Is the only way I could describe it. And numbing is the only yeah. way I can describe it. It brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. But Like you can't wait to oh, no, yeah, no. I can't wait to put it on. It's crazy. So the the idea it was crazy. Um so as soon as that happened, I was 
oh shit, I have to tell people. I have to tell people that this is it. I have to tell. I had never heard it described. Mm. I'd never heard people talk about how the idea presents itself. Um, I need to talk about this. I need to talk about this. So that's kind of how it started. That was this. This was right after it happened. So mm. it was happening. So around 2015, 2016. This is the, the when you were doing a delivery driver role. Is that that was the first? That was the first one. That was that was just self harm. Right. That was just I. I was in a, so much stress at the time. I was about right. nineteen years old. So that goes back a fair bit further. But that was when it first started. I I was about nineteen and I was doing this job. I was delivering groceries for pensioners and I was so stressed. And I was so stressed and I just thought to myself, yeah, if I just flick the wheel, wheel. Yeah. and hit that tree, I'll probably get a nice. T- two weeks in hospital that'd be nice mm. don't care how hurt i get but all this will stop people bring me food mm. you know people will show up and visit yeah. i just, I just get to sleep they give mm. me drugs i get to just relax you know that's yeah. that was i would i would rather have gotten at that point i was like fucking hell that's not a good that's not smart mm. so anyway to, to talk about the and I do write about that in the book. But then, uh, when I then I started getting involved with a thing called Story Club, which is a storytelling show here in Sydney, run mm. by Ben Jenkins and Zoe Norton Lodge, who directed the live show that I just did. Um, and you would have seen Zoe on a show called The Checkout. Mm. Uh, so they every first Monday of every month they do a storytelling show where they get six or seven storytellers up to tell a ten minute story. And I've done it three or four times. Um, but there was one particular big show at the Town Hall in Sydney, and I can't remember what the theme was, but it it did it it. I just decided I've got to tell people. I've got to tell people what you know mm. w- what it was like, and so I started telling this story. And I told a story on stage about the day I slipped into psychosis and started having paranoid delusions, and mm. the, the kind of weeks and months following that, and you know what it was like um, being on drugs and trying to you know meet the woman that's now my wife while just kind of numbed by all the antipsychotics that were mm. just holding all these terrifying thoughts at bay, which I really needed at the time. And then I I started working with a Sane Australia as a I said I got invited yep. to sit on the board of Sane Australia, so I, I did some work there. And then I told that story, but I told the 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 adults only version, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, because yep. I wasn't quite prepared to talk about suicidal ideation at that point yep. publicly. So, but in kind of Chatham House rules, you know, meetings with fun uh, you know, doing fundraising stuff, I started talking about it. And my CEO just tapped me on the shoulder and says, "Mate, you got it. You got to write this down. Mm. You got to write this down. This is not a this isn't a radio interview. This isn't a sit down. You know, kind of sixty minutes he chat." This is a book and you've got to write it and you'll help a lot of people. You've got to do it. Mm. And Jack um, Jack Heath, who's my CEO, is an amazing guy. I started Reach Out. He's an incredible chap. Um, he, uh, he, he helped me, kind of mentored me through getting the book kind of published. And then you we, went through the pitching process. Yeah, yeah. I pitched, I pitched it and then we got the – then we got the deal, and then um, how good's when you get the deal? Yeah, the deal's it's good, good but then you're like, like okay, I've got to write now something. I write it. Well, they wanted ninety thousand. Oh man, how many did it end up? One hundred and forty-eight. Oh, far out. So you ask about it, and see, there's there's benefits and. Um, there's things that are detrimental about having obsessive compulsive disorder and there's things that are beneficial about having obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. Uh, and you wouldn't be, you know, where you are success if you didn't have some amount of that kind of obsessive focus yep. at your disposal as a superpower. Sure. And I like to consider it as a superpower. My mm. brain is a little different and I have this ability every now and again to focus incredibly intently. Sometimes it can be bad. Mm. Uh, when some bad information gets in that kind of machine. That but loop. when there's good information, I'd be very effective and mm. uh, my career has benefited from it. Um, so I just treated it like anything, man. I treated it like, all right, 
um, sit down. I'm going to, you know, I'll do I, what I did about 45 to 50 on and then five or 10 off. Wow. All right. That, that's what I'll do. Is, all right. I'm just going to sit here, turn my phone off, and um, I'd, I'd organize, I'd, I'd figured out this um, method a few years ago when I was doing some very interesting self introspective writing when mm. I went through my sobriety, um, initial sobriety process. And so I'd go, all right. As I, because I can get very distracted. So, like, I'm going to write here and I kept the notepad off to the right. So, any thoughts that came off of, like, oh, I've got to text this person. Oh, I've got to get some more tofu. Oh, I wonder what happened to that guy. I'd write it over here on the post it note and then I'd come back and do the rest of my writing. And then in the 10 minutes off, I chased all those things up that were on that notepad. Awesome. All right. And yep. then when I came back, okay, 45, go. And it, just start typing. Yep. That's it. Yep. Just start typing it doesn't matter just and i'll trick myself right i write about it in the book about the first time i i was about 112 kilos or 105 uh, kilos check the mail yeah yeah i trick myself like the same way i go i'm just gonna go check the mail just check the mail the Mm. mail was letterbox was 10 meters from my front door but i put my shoes on and i walked all the way around the block which is about 600 meters which was massive for me back then Mm. because i was very very unfit and on the way home i picked up the mail i was like there you go i checked the mail, but and it's the same with the dishes. You know, you have a massive pile of dishes. I'm just going to wash one dish. I'm just going to wash one dish. <laughs> you say you fill the sink, and you go, okay, I wash my one dish. But now I've got the soap in my hand. I've got the sponge. I wash the next one, and then so it was Benjamin Law actually who told me you just just write, just just write, yeah. just write, and then you just like, I would cheat. I would go, I'm just going to take some notes. I'm just going to make some notes. All right, mm. so. What I did, Jamie, and, uh, and it was Ben Law that told me how to do this. All right, so there was the initial book pitch, which was, I think, 15 chapters. Yep. All right? And then in that 15 chapters, I want you to imagine like a – I'm thinking America, but like a, a March Madness, uh, like a basketball um, – uh, roster, mm. you know, like they have all the, the like heaps of teams on one side, and then it all kind of got reverses down to the finals. Mm. All right, so you have double, double, double. All right, so all right, fifteen things. This is the chapters. All right, and then I wrote five main points I want to hit in each chapter. So what are you now? That's uh, seventy-five things. Yeah, yep. And then I wrote five ways that I could link those things together. Mm. Seven, five, thirty-five, three hundred thirty-five, three hundred and seventy-five things, all in a big long word document. Yep. And then I just wrote wrote into each. One I wrote of those from one to the next. Yeah, oh, you wrote and sequentially. That, yeah, and then I wrote yeah. from one to the. I just no, not not necessarily sequentially, but, but you with, just wrote into with them. those three hundred and seventy-five yeah. headings on this word document. It was three seventy-five different lines or so. I'm just making yeah, up a number, yeah. but like just to give you an idea. Yeah. Like okay, well, I know this is all going to hit all the points I need to make. So how can I get from this point to that point? I need about five hundred or four hundred words. Okay, mm. okay, and then how can I get from that point to that point? How do I get from that point to that point? And you just fill in the fill in the gap. Yeah. The other thing that Ben Law told me, which is really, really very, very smart, write with the door closed and edit with the door open. Okay. Okay. So particularly if you're writing about personal stuff, you're writing about things you feel vulnerable about or things that might affect others who aren't in the room. Mm. Just write it. Just write it. And then when you're editing, like say for example, if you're writing a book about um pots of gold mm. you're going to have to write around a rainbow mm. you're going to have to write the rainbow okay mm. but if in writing about the rainbow you kind of like i don't know throw someone under the bus or you say something about yourself you don't exactly want public you can pull that out but you wouldn't have got to the part about the pot of gold if you hadn't yeah, written get, the rainbow so you've got to write the first part to get to the gold part and then when yeah. you're editing you go actually you know what i don't need that that doesn't serve me or the very the, the overall mm. arching narrative of the book i can Pull that out. Having but read the book, I don't think you took much out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was. I as I said, I gave him one hundred and forty-eight thousand 
and we they pulled it back down to about 103 and I got it back to 112. So, mm. Oh, you put stuff back in? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was some really important stuff that needed to be in there. But yep. just treating it as a process, treating it as a gig. Yeah. You know, here's, this is the money they gave me. I owe them yeah, yeah, this totally. many hours work. I will do it. And I would often find as well um, after about four hours mm. of this 45, 50 on, 5, 10 off, I'd just be basically just writing porridge. So yeah. it's like stop, just stop. Stop for the day. But getting into that process was very much like starting the morning with exercise, absolutely mm. starting the morning with exercise. And to be honest, um, I wrote a fair amount of the book fasting. Really? Yeah. And I found like, – Like 5-2, like – No. No, like no, I was doing day on, day off at the time. Really? Like yeah. fully fasting? Yeah, I was in Fiji. I wrote most of the book in Fiji doing Bachelor in Paradise, to be nice. honest. Nice. Well, we're sitting around on set for 15 yeah, hours, well 16 hours away. a day. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. You look at Bachelor in Paradise, like it's all very fancy on the camera, but out the back it looks like sad school. from 2004. In green, sitting in the green and room. We're si- we're, no, in we're sitting in a – We're sitting away. in a buray. We're just sitting in a, you know, sitting in a buray with a, with a pedestal fan that's 38 degrees or whatever and humid. And I was like, well, we're just sitting around waiting because we just you have to wait on the show like that. Yeah, You're waiting yeah. for a moment and then you run and you give her a date card or you send someone in. Like you, you kind of have to be ready the whole time. So you yeah. sit on set for a lot of the day. And so I just write. And um, But I was doing day-on-day-off fasting at the time. And, you know, obviously talk to your doctor and make sure you, you do it mm. carefully and, you know, be – be mindful of what your blood's doing and all that. Don't don't just not no. eat, all right. But I found it to be incredibly focused. Yeah. I, so I I, I um I've been experimenting with sixteen eight uh-huh. fasting, and um I I reckon that I am more mentally focused in a fasted state than mm-hmm. I have than any any other mechanism to mm-hmm. get me focused. Like so in the morning, so I'll fast from uh eight o'clock at night till twelve o'clock in the next yeah. day. Right. So in the morning, like fasted state like just super sharp mm. i don't know what it is but that's when you do all your keynotes. your morning you get everything yeah. done and i would yeah. be typically not a morning person to be honest but mm. i have become one just because fasting has made me so so focused yeah well, like i found it's, it it's ridiculous but yeah i started once i got back to australia and then um because i didn't want to be uh not eating i have a teenage daughter so mm. i didn't want her to see me avoiding food yeah for obvious reasons so uh, I would just I was then just doing dinner at yep. that point. Yeah. This is before any like of the one meal a day. Yeah, this is before any of the men's health stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I was yeah. and I was still on meds at the time. Yeah. So um but I was definitely doing it as a way to to focus and um but yeah. And then but honestly it's just a it's just process, Jamie. It's just yeah. it's like this is here are the steps that I need to take as much as my brain's telling me, oh, go to this, mm. go to that, da 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 I just write it down on the pad over there and then just keep on it and just go, mm. okay, 37 more minutes, keep writing, yep. keep writing. Oh, 35 more minutes, okay, keep writing, just keep writing, just keep writing, just yep. keep going and that's it. Just- and and so we, we spoke a little bit before we started rolling about um, this concept of cleaning wounds versus picking at scabs. Uh-huh. Did did writing the book re-trigger stuff for you? It did. It really did actually because I had to go back and like the reason I wrote it was because I the, – the profound leaps forward and the big hockey sticking of me – hockey stick, uh, it's the shape of a hockey stick against a bar graph. Like just the, the leaps ahead, the leapfrogging, if you will, of how I got better from what I was came from hearing other people mm. saying – same. A story like, hang on, that's exactly what I 
well, I could, you just, if you're 100% of your story, 68% of it, I, that's as if you were talking about me, all right, but you're doing okay now, so what are you doing? Again, taking someone else's ideas, mm. someone else's, okay. So it was, it was in hearing other people telling me their stories or hearing their stories and going, oh, right, th- th- they've experienced a lot of what I've been going through, but they seem to be doing okay. They know something I don't, or at least it can get better. The overarching message was it can get better. It doesn't have to be like this forever. It feels – your brain tells you it's going to be like this forever, mm. but it's not. And also you're the only one. Yeah. When, when, I speak to, when I speak to entrepreneurs and I've spoken to like 600 during the course of, of um, our, our mental health charity, um, they, they believe that they're the only one suffering. Yeah. And by talking to other people, they go, oh, guess what? I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just hearing other people's stories, that's, a, that's enough for some yeah, of them to actually, just, to actually just go, you know what, um, I thought I was isolated and alone. I'm the only person who's failing. I'm the only person with anxiety. Yeah. I'm the only person with depression. And then, the, and then they sort of sit around with other founders and entrepreneurs and they go, oh, no, we suffer from anxiety too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I write about it actually a few times oh. in the book. It's like I'm not the special little snowflake I thought I was. I'm just mm. a fairly run-of-the-mill alcoholic. Mm. And, <laughs> and it was full on, man, because I remember sitting in this particular um, – gathering of people and listening to someone speak and listening to this person talks like that's how i feel around strangers that's how i feel when i leave the house that's exactly how i feel about any success i've had mm. and at the time like and i'm what was i 30 39 38 and a man and you're 65 a five foot two lady from texas yeah yet you're telling my story yeah so I'm not as special as I thought I was. We'll, and, we'll and, and so the same. You, you ask about, you know, cleaning wounds versus picking scabs and was it re triggering? Yeah, it was. It was. And on some days I would, you know, finish writing. Sometimes I could only, you know, do, you know, two or three hours because it would just, and I'd kind of get a bit weird and I'd kind of bark at my wife a bit and, and you know, she'd just get on your bike, go, bloody, mm. go, go for a walk, go ride your bike around and lift some weights or do something, get this energy out of your body. And I can't thank her enough for supporting me through that yeah. because I, I did have to go there. Um, but I think it's it's super important to, to have that inventory process um, as I'm sure any, anyone in, in, in your uh sphere of influence would know if you've had a business that failed in my case my business was life Mm. (laughs) if you've had a business that failed you are a fool if you don't go back and look over every spreadsheet go back and look over every tweet every email and go what the why did i write ah Mm. fuck that's okay that's Okay, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. I'm not making that mistake again. And the next time you start, you've got all these learnings that you go, okay, now I can go from here. What happened last time? Because if you don't do that, you are condemned to repeat the same cycle of failure. And you want, and you will, if you don't have the humility, you will then just complain. Yeah. And go, oh, the world's against me. Oh, oh, the market's not ready. Or, oh, they all suck. Or, I can't find the right man or woman or whoever it is you're into. It's everybody else. Yeah, it's everybody else. else. And that fuckhead, it's you. And (laughs) you can't see that it's your cycles of behavior and your patterns of behavior that are doing this. So have that rigorous introspection. Get that scrubbing brush out. Like, just imagine when you were a kid back in Mm. the olden days before, well, I'm going to sound like an old man here, Jamie, but. (laughs) 
Back in the old days, it was like, all right, kids, be back before the sun goes down. No, no, when the streetlights come on. Come the, back when the streetlights come on. When the streetlights come on. Yeah, come back when the streetlights come on. All right, and you'd come back and you've fallen off your bike and you've got gravel <laughs> all up your arm and it's under your skin and you're, all right, you're going to have to get under the hot tap with the dish brush, yep. all right, and, and the scour it, scour it out, mm. and you got to get the Dettol on there because it is not going to heal otherwise. Yep. It is not going to heal otherwise, and that scar will be with you. And every time you look at that scar, you go, ah, that's right. Yeah. Ah, remember, don't do that thing again because that's what happens. It's the same. It's mm. the same thing, and it's super important. It, it is. It is. Um, although I've been sort of – and I'd be really interested in your views on this, which is, you know, you went through obviously a whole bunch of your own personal journey before you put it down on paper. So yeah. you so you came to terms with it yourself. Then you put it down on paper. Now you've put it out into the world yes. again. And you've been talking about mental health for a while. So so it's it shouldn't come as a shock to anybody. But, you know, I can imagine the moment when you see the book and you go, fuck, yeah. like I wrote it and it's too late. Like oh no, it's not like it's it's now it's not about that now it's um it's because it's I'm gonna sound like a f- idiot but it is it's just remembering why I want to do it. I, yeah. was, I have a I'm really grateful in that, and I, I know you talk about this a lot with your foundation. Like I have a poker game that happens every Wednesday night mm. and has happened every Wednesday night since 2004. I'm very lucky that I have these ten men mm. that I'm a, a part of. It's a rotating. It's Are you only good at poker, by the way? Nah. No, I'm terrible. How many cards? Just four aces. Are you good, just give right? me two cards. You just, you just give me two cards. Is it two or three? Oh, cards? we've got to play poker. I don't at some really point. know. How many, yeah. how many letters do we start, start Scrabble with? All the same color, right? Um, I, uh, but I get to sit around this table with these guys as many Wednesdays as I can, and just say, oh, I'm really scared about this. And my friend Ruben, she goes, he says, Why are you writing it? I said, I'm writing it because when I heard someone else tell their story, it really helped me. He goes, Then fuck it. Write it yep. and have it and feel good about it because if, if you're doing it because you want to help other people, then do it. Mm. And then so I just remembered Ruben's words and went, all right, then. All right, that's ah. it. And the the biggest thing like for me personally is like, yes, I'm really excited that this thing has come out, but thoughts become things. Yeah, they do. Thoughts become things and they can be positive things or negative things. Mm. And it depends on, you know, your thought, any thought with a deliberate and habitual Repetition and action based upon that thought will manifest into whatever it is, into the reality of the world that you exist in with other people. So that can be a positive thing or a negative thing. Mm. And this book, for example, like I said, I just sat down and I typed a word at a time, mm. 148,000 times. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's yep. it. And that's it. Um, I didn't, you know, sit down and do it in one day. It took me a couple months. Yeah. Um, but then there it is, and now it's this, it's this book. It's this thing that I hold in my hand. And go, it's it's it cool, right? Like it's, it's cool it's, as shit. It's, it's such a great feeling. Yeah, because I've never really built no. anything before. You know, Everything I've, I've been a part of has always been another- Intellectual property or well, somebody else's. Well, yeah, yeah, someone else's IP or right. I'm involved in a big production. I, I, essentially, mm. for most of my career, I've, been, I've made live television, which yeah. wasn't- the By the time I got right. home, it was gone. <laughs> yeah. There was no DVRs. It was like, oh, I, I make air. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. There's nothing, that, there's, I, nothing physical, tangible that, mm. I, that I created or part of creating. Um, so this is, you know, it's extraordinary, and and that's really, you know, that's that's really exciting. And honestly, I, I could, I, I won't, but I could pick up my phone right now, and there'll be five or ten more messages in there of people yeah. going, exactly what you're saying. I read your book. I thought I was alone. Yeah. I thought it was just me. And that's the disease, man. That's yep. our brains. I don't know what it is. It's a switch in our brain that wants to make us think that no one else is feeling this. Mm. Everyone else is feeling this. One in four Australians lives with complex mental illness. Mm. All right. 
it, it can serve you. Like I said, the, what I've got gives me the superpower of like mega focus when I want it. But when a negative uh, thought pattern gets into that machine, it's extraordinarily self-destructive. It's as if it, like you stood in front of the Death Star and held up a mirror as it's trying to destroy um, – what was the planet? Um, but, um, oh, no, we're going to Star Wars nerd off now. Uh, um, it was, people are no, shouting at no, their phones right um, now. We're not moving on until we know the name of this no, planet. No, she goes. They go to blow up her planet when they kill yeah, her planet. Dantooine or something. It was. Oh, people are going to get so. You're going. I don't know. We're going to somebody. Sorry, like, it was forty years ago. All right, I was. I watched it a hundred and two times. Oh, the Star Wars, and hell. I should know. All right. Well, it's like that when the laser comes out and destroys the planet. Yeah. Imagine if someone just jumped out with a mirror and went ha. And then yeah. it goes comes back on you. All right, that's what it's like. If you if you don't if, you, if I'm not careful, mm. that repetitive kind of ruminating thing then just turns against me and just grinds me into pulp. Yeah. Um, but I can I can utilize it. So that's the kind of superpower that I have. But other things manifest as as mm. other ways, and, and it can be really handy. I remember my doctor told me once. My doctor in Sydney who first diagnosed me, he says, "Look at a, look at oh, the Olympic Games were on that year." He goes, "Look at the Olympics." He goes, "You think an Olympic weightlifter, a gold medal weightlifter, who does the same sixteen repetitive actions, three pats with a chalk, four walks towards the bar." Right hand on the bar, left hand on the bar, set the right foot, set the left foot, brace, lift, clean, jerk, down, let go of the bar. Like does those same 16 actions a thousand times every year for four straight years for this one 10 seconds of their life. You think that person doesn't have some obsessional tendencies? <laughs> you think you think a swimmer? You think a swimmer who does the same, like you think about a freestyle? Well, yeah. It's I mean, three Imagine moves. how much in their head they're right? in their head Staring at a black line. So you think those, that, that person doesn't have a bit of this? Mm. You're kidding yourself. To get to mm. that level of, of, of athletic performance, it's like, of course, it can be an absolute superpower. And when he taught me that, I didn't feel like such a fucking idiot. Mm. It's like, okay, I could use this. You can harness it for good or, trying or- to. Yeah, trying to like I'm like yeah, yeah and that's dude, the thing. It's not like I wrote a book and everything is all no, right. No, I no. still struggle every day. Yesterday Absolutely. I fucked up. Yesterday yeah. I had a big blow up with my wife, and I'm just an idiot, and I just made a stupid yeah. mistake. Yeah. And I, it was very very strange, Jamie. I switched states, and suddenly, and then like half an hour later, I was like, I can't believe I even said that. Yeah. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. But we all fuck up, man. I'm exactly. Every day, yeah. Almost. It's not like it's not like I, you know, I stop taking meds and everything's sweet. Mm. No, I work every fucking day hard. Yep. Just to you know try to 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 keep living. It's not like everything's all right now. I'm just like wanting to let people know that hey, this thing happens, and totally one in four of us deal with it. That's mm. a lot of people. That's six million Australians. Yeah. So the more people hear a conversation like this, yep. the more normal it becomes to hear this kind of conversation, the more normal it becomes to have these conversations, the more normal it becomes to start these conversations. And Jamie, eight people today, while we're sitting here around my manager's table, eight people in Australia today will die by suicide. Yeah. All right. Let's just, all right, since in the last week, all right, seven, four, seven, eight, 56. All right. Yeah. Let's imagine they were aircraft accidents. Mm. All right. If 56 people had died in the last week from aircraft accidents, yeah. all planes would, would stop. Totally. Sorry, no one's flying anywhere. Yep. We're going to figure this out. That would be it fucking over mm. until we figure this out. No one's going anywhere. We're not taking off until we figure this mm. out. 
It's it's interesting. I was reading an article. I agree with you, and it's it's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Um, I was reading an article. I think it was out of New Zealand from a journalist who said we've got to start in the media actually saying the word. Um, and there's this kind of there's two schools of thought, right? Which is triggering and saying, do we say that they, you know, when you see these articles about a celebrity dying or somebody dying, and at the end there's sort of there's a there's a call to lifeline, well, but you yeah. have to, you've got to infer that that they committed suicide in yeah. the article, right? Well, and the the research is is the research is 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 incontrovertible that you've got to be very careful around reporting suicide. Yep. You've got to be very, very careful. And yes, we do need to talk about it. Yes, it's important. But yes, if you're at risk and yep. you read, it's in contra- the evidence it supports enormously that that can push some people towards it. Yep. And so we have to be very, very and, and I agree, but I think it is also it's the stigma associated with it combined with, I guess, I guess a taboo associated yeah. with talking about it yeah. has sort of, I guess, hampered the conversation. I agree. I agree. So it's you know it's just how can we be how can we be super careful and and, mm. and talking about it and recognizing that. I mean, you don't have to. Every single person that you speak to today will know someone. Yeah, totally. Who has who they've lost to suicide. Yeah. All right, and it's just it's far too common, and yeah. it doesn't need to happen, and it doesn't just affect the person that does it affects everyone. Yeah, it affects families, kids, brothers, husbands, child, you know, everybody. Yeah, completely. So. I guess there's a personal cost associated with it, right? So I think it's an important. I think it's an important conversation that needs to be had. Um, I think you've been a huge advocate for it. Um, my, my, me personally, I've sort of been on this sort of cyclical journey of sort of you know I didn't talk about it for a long time. Mm. Then I spoke about it, and it was very liberating to talk about it. Then talking about it made me re-trigger, mm. and then I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And then people are like, No, you should talk about it some more. And mm. I, so I sort of went through this oscillation mm-hmm. personally, just in my own small sphere. Mm. Um, in terms of that sort of journey, how's it been for you? Because you've been pretty constant, right? And and now this is a big. I mean, you're going to reach a bigger audience yeah. now. You've got a book out there. You're going to do it. You're going to be on the trail. You're going to be talking about yeah. it. Interviews after interview yeah, after yeah. interview. Um, I, I think it's amazing, right? I mean, I think you're doing um, unbelievably brave work, right? It needs to needs to happen. Like, Thanks, man. Like as far as look, there's I I knew there was th- so talking about it and making sure I'm able to talk about it. Mm. Um, that's where the the nutrition and the exercise comes in. All right. Did the men's health? I mean, firstly, it's a good segue. Why? <laughs> Why? Apart from the fact that I've, you know, I've, you know, there's there's a, there's a comedy you said you never take your shirt off unless no. you did a men's health cover. Yes, but but there had to be like, I mean, I would love to do a men's health cover, right? Yeah. But but, but what was your motivation? My motivation to do the men's health cover was I. Like I always said, I would never take my shirt off on camera, and I never did take my shirt mm. off willingly on camera, unless I was the cover of Men's Health magazine. <laughs> I said that. Fair enough. And it happened. Yeah. Thoughts become things, Jamie. It does. It's and true. And then it showed up at a time when I was considering. I was still on meds at the time. I was mm. considering coming off meds, and I, you know, the two trainers that I work with, Chief and Em, are, are very, very good at what they do. Mm. And I was like, I'm really not going to get another chance to work like this How with long? these people. How long? We did 10 weeks. I, I call bullshit. How, how, how in shape were you 10 weeks in? Like 10, ten weeks we- out, 10 weeks out. I know how we, I know how good, well, I know what sh- you look like 10 weeks after. Body shape? Yeah. Like, what did you, like, we, like, I've seen the before and after photos. Yeah. Are they legit? Yeah, yeah. Like, so you did all of that in 10 weeks. You'd be surprised at what can change in Man, your body, Jamie. I, I believe in a lot of things, right? 10 weeks. You'd be amazed. 10 weeks. You'd be, you'd be amazed. Like if you, how, how many hours a day? 
like I said, mate, it's, it's mostly in the kitchen. It's in a diet, yeah. You can't out eat. You can't out exercise bad diet. You really like mm. I, I told you. I I was a little late this morning because I've been riding my bicycle around the park mm. and I smashed it as fast as I could. I did, I did like forty five minutes. Is all I had time for this morning. But that's probably I don't know. It's probably four hundred calories. All right. 400 calories is four handfuls of nuts that I can eat mindlessly while I'm doing something else, mm. all right? How many times a day will I reach for those bags of nuts? How many? Like, you can't out, mm. you can't out exercise bad diet. The thing right? I think is cool as well, I'm a vegetarian, right? And so you're vegan. First person to do it. On you're, are you full yeah. of it? You're vegan, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is just hardcore because I think there's this belief, and I have that in my own mind as well, um, that you need copious amounts of you know animal-based protein in order to shred. Mate, I lost, um, I lost nine kilos in 10 weeks. I lost nine kilos of fat and I put on two and a half kilos of lean muscle on nothing but a plant-based diet. All right. Mm. I got down to 11% body fat. Yeah. I was 22 when I started. So <laughs> it's it's certainly, you know, some people say some people say um put out aspirational goals and tell the world about it and then go hard. I mean, you had to keep it quiet, right? I the, did because you need the big reveal. Yeah. Um but to be honest, you asked me how many hours I would spend uh, an hour a day in the gym. Mm. Uh and bear in mind I have uh, Rachel in my life and at the time it was Haley who worked very very hard to make sure that I have my schedule on point mm. and we made a lot of time to make it happen. Sometimes I would finish work at four in the morning, uh, go home, sleep for four hours, get up, go to the gym by like 10 to 11 to be sure that I could make a lunch meeting at 12 and then I'd be back at work by four o'clock again. Because you've got to hit a date, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, like, yeah. there's no, Absolutely. there's not like, can we just, can we, no. look, can you just put me in, in November? Nope. Doesn't work so that way. you hit it, they hold the cover and you don't want to lose the cover because yeah. like, fuck, they're going to put Warburg on the cover again. <laughs> yeah, got to go, got to go. Um, so it's just an hour a day doing that. But I started, honestly, Jamie, when you start your day, I'd done a lot of endurance training. I'd done mm. a lot of bikes and run a lot of marathons. I love it, love it, love it. But I'd never really done resistance training. When you start your day, and I'm going to quote Guy Sebastian here because yep. he and I talked about this a lot and how resistance training changed the way he works, changed his career. Mm. When you start your day overcoming adversity, I can't lift this thing, I can't lift this thing. Yes, I lifted this thing. You're telling your brain. Yeah, yeah. If you push a little harder, it's there. Mm. And you, when you just kind of ex, just every day pushing yourselves a little further into discomfort and then realizing, oh, actually, I can do that. Mm. Your brain goes, oh, no, no, this is what we do now. We just push a little further. Oh, whoops, a daisy. There we are. Mm. We've now found a new possibility that we didn't exist before. And then your body adapts. And then the next time you go in there, you push a little harder. And then you're slowly, slowly expanding your, your ability and your possibility that's available to you. When you start your day like that, psychologically, it has an extraordinary knock-on effect for the rest of your day. Mm. I started feeling so damn good. Um, I rigged a laptop uh, stand on top of my bike trainer and I edited the whole book actually sitting on my bike. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I would pedal just in zone two, just like 108 beats a minute heart rate, nothing like just full. Just long, having, like, sustained the kind of conversation cardio. Yeah, yeah. Right now, yep. but just with but my just heart rate to ticking it elevated. Over. And so I edited the book at 500 calories an hour, 600 calories an hour. Oh, I just wow. did it all. And if I had to do emails, and we all have to do emails, oh, yeah. I would say, okay, honey, I'm just going downstairs to do emails. And I'd go downstairs, get on the bike, and like do 90 minutes of just knocking all the emails back for the day. But at the same time, that 90 minutes, I've done 800 some... calories. Right. All right. 
it's what a what a great use of time yeah, to do totally. that. I know people who have uh, treadmill desks, and and I would if I had a nine to five, I would yeah. absolutely get a bicycle. A recumbent Although the bike problem desk. I have with the treadmill desk is I just have this like rat in a in a in a lab sort of you know view. I get it. Like I mean, I'm not a big you know. I sort of think that corporate environments are battery farms at times. You know, and putting and putting recumbent get a recumbent bike. We'll, 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 but we'll just plug in some power and we'll start powering up the company. Get a, get a recumbent bike, yeah. man. So yeah. so at, to answer your question. It was just an hour a day, but what's yep. that hour? That hour is giving me. If I told you, Jamie, you just give me one hour of your twenty-four, and I'll give you focus, uh, ability, and you know this sort of superpower of just kind of trying to push a little harder to overcome whatever adversity is with you for the rest of the day. You'd fucking take it, of course. So yep. do that. Yep, it's that easy. And so you lifted for an hour, and then you did cardio outside of that. Well, what we would do is they have an interesting training protocol. M and Chief. Um, they call it dark dynamic active recovery. I've got to read their book. It's coming Something. out. Yeah, it's right? out at the moment. It's, it's they, out, they yeah. put their book out. Um, and so I would do a heavy set, uh, like a super set, like a push pull. Yep, yep. Uh, 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 of lifting, so like a chest press, and then an, uh, or a row, or a row, or yep. something like that, or a squat, or something, or whatever. And then in the off set, I would do uh, like a Tabata kind of twenty off, twenty hard. On a spin like bike, interval. ten off, yep. twenty hard, ten off, two minutes of that, yep. and then back to the resistance. All right, yep. and so I would do that. That's basically what what we did. Yeah, just the weight just Shredded fell off. off my body. Yeah, um, Ruben, who I talked to you about before, right. he's a scientist. Right. Um, he actually wrote a whole book about this. Um, let me ask you: if if I lost ten kilos, where did that ten kilos go? Out your urine. Did don't don't you breathe it out? Boom! How much of it do you breathe out? I reckon 70% you breathe out. Very close. 8.4 kilos I breathe out. Every inhalation is lighter than every exhalation. What do you breathe in? Oxygen, Oxygen and nitrogen. Yeah, yeah. What do you breathe out? Carbon dioxide. Where does the carbon come from? Fat. Exactly. No so you're, you're very, yeah, very clever. You're Not a lot of people get that. Mm. So every time I'm on that bike, as I'm pushing those last five seconds of the 20 mm. seconds, I'm going hard as fuck. Like you've got, if you're going to do this, Jamie, you've got to go till you're a pancake on the floor. Like you go hard, right? You've got to go hard because your body will not change. You will mm. not get that change unless you push yourself to the point of the body goes, I'm going to have to adapt to this. You will never adapt, all right? Mm. And so that cover is my body adapting to what I was pushing it through, yep. all right? So those last three, five seconds, every exhalation, I'm like a steam train, man, but every exhalation, I was like, that is fat leaving my body. And that's, that So you visualize that. Body. Absolutely. I love that's it. That's fat leaving my body right there. Oh, here comes 10 seconds. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah, um, but it's worth it. It was absolutely worth it. And the nutrition was extraordinary because I had to basically learn how to feed myself, Yeah. okay? Um, and M gave me all these, you know, you know, amounts of food to eat and i'm you know i've struggled with compulsive eating in my in my time and yep. and um and so if if i just wanted to just just masticate just yeah. wanted to just because chew. because there's a there's a school of thought this is after you up the physical you start your appetite increases oh it absolutely well. did yeah but i was in right. caloric restriction because i'm looking right. for lo- yeah. lo- fat loss right okay again you can't add exercise bad diet so yeah but i would do things like if i wanted like um if i just wanted to chew on something and just feel like i'm eating i would What's an iceberg lettuce cost at Coles? $2.50, all right? So I'd get a whole iceberg lettuce, (laughs) chop it up nice and small, Throw some nutritional yeast on it, bit of apple cider vinegar, bit of chili, and I'll just That's sit there. a little there. salad, it I was, mate. I would just, <laughs> but then it takes me twenty minutes to eat. Right, I would just crunch, crunch, and crunch, feel, crunch for give, twenty minutes. And it gives and you the sense, yeah, and all that fiber just whoop, cleaning things out. Yeah, but worth it, one hundred percent worth it. And I do it every day now. 
And so you get yourself to a peak for these for these covers, yeah, right? Like yeah. and I, like you don't drink water for like you know twenty oh, was, a couple yeah, of hours, a, and then you kind of super lean out, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, we got um, down to because you can't maintain that no, level of. And co- that's the thing I had to learn: cover like, fitness. Like, hang on a second, those cover models—they don't look like that all the time. <laughs> no, no, they don't. no, the vascularity. I got down to the like my wife Audrey described it as anatomical. Right. Yeah, she could see the the, the like tendon the insertion points in my yeah, back, that's and wicked. she's like, "Yeah, I don't know if I like that." <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if I like that. It she likes little, it. She likes it a little bit better now. And I look yeah. at you know, I look at dudes who are like you see people who are like single figure body fit. Body yeah. fat. Like I was just cold all the time. Really? I went from twenty two percent body that's fat. That's an interesting. Oh, I mean, I got yeah, I'm like thirty five or something, right? I'm mean, right. fifty, whatever it is, right? But I went from um, twenty two down to eleven. So technically, like taking so a, I was twice a, as take, cold. Taking a jumper off. I was. I was. I was wearing full. It's I was just freezing. It's the an whole interesting time. observation. But, but Jamie, think about. If you're looking for your, you've got to find your why. Yeah, yeah totally. You're doing all this. And What's so your why? why? And why was it for you? I mean, like we, you know, we, why? Yeah, because why? there's why? a big difference why? between not taking meds and not right. needing to take meds. Yeah. And the medication was very, very good for me. There is no way I would be healthy enough mm. uh, as I am now. And I'm still, like I said, I still struggle every day, but mm. I can, I'm okay with that medication at the moment. Um, there was no way I would have got to that point without medication. All right. I really, mm. really needed it. And when we changed, I was very lucky that I had a psychiatrist. Speaking of ego, I had a psychiatrist who was willing to challenge his to own hypothesis. down. He was willing to challenge his own hypothesis. Right. Because he was not, not for it. He was. No, like- no, 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 no. He had the initial hypothesis when I showed up, when I presented mm. and I was all, you know, suicidal and yeah. stuff, he just threw everything at it. And right. I was on two different kinds of antipsychotics. I was on an SSRI. I was on all kinds. Mm. I was on four different kinds of meds yep. for a long time. Yeah. All right. And then as I started to improve, you know, he was willing to go, maybe I didn't get it right when you first walked in. Let's try this instead. Not a lot of doctors will do that. Because yep. they've got ego too, right? True. And so I was really grateful that he did that. And we switched hypothesis to treating me then for obsessive compulsive disorder. And mm. once we changed meds and started treating me for OCD, I started to improve really? very, very rapidly. And so it was when I was on the OCD meds, my brain was starting to able to cha- started to form new neural pathways again. Because there was a point where I couldn't challenge, I couldn't rationally yeah, and, challenge. And just completely different drugs. Right? Yeah, yeah, completely different drugs. But I couldn't rationally challenge the irrational thoughts that I was having. I just mm. was did not have the ability to do so. And so I needed the drugs to hold me down. Mm. Um, when we changed to the new meds, I was starting to be able to at least pick away at those irrational thoughts and eventually that muscle, my, those neural pathways got stronger and stronger and stronger to a point where I was like, oh, wow, I can, tra- I can do this now. I can, do the, I can challenge the, the, the irrational thoughts. Um, and that's where we sort of came down, 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 down. And so I, doing the, the exercise, when you, when you stop taking meds, you can't just stop taking meds and think everything's going to be sweet. No. It's like we're sitting in this big, beautiful dining table. It's like cutting one leg off the dining table and expecting it to be fine. Yeah, you've got to replace it with you've something. You've got to replace it with something. And so that's where the resistance training and the nutrition mm. came in. And, um, and so there's, far nothing like, there's nothing like a target, right? Well, that also <laughs> helped. But that was June the 6th. Yeah. June the 8th. And what yeah. are we, September 2nd now? Yeah, and, and you've um, kept it up. And are you, yeah. fully, are you fully off meds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Nine months now. Um, it was tough. The first couple months, yeah. I had, I've been medicated. Did they, did they for a long wean time. you off? Yeah, or did yeah. You go cold? It was months. Yeah, was like just months. dialing you down. Yeah, yeah, like five milligrams at a time from dialing 125 you down, down right. all the way down. Yeah, right. And and we would go down. And I write about it in the book. We would go down. Yeah. Uh, like about every six weeks or so. Yeah. And so for the first few five 
six days on the new dosage. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Mm. I was a bit grumpy, more big grumpy. I'd kind of bark at people a bit. Yeah. And then kind of settle, settle, settle. And then we had a couple of nice weeks and then I'd change again and I'd do it again. Just as I got used to it, slowly, slowly, I think, slowly. I think it's just, I think it's just huge. Was part of it motivated? You write about the book about going to Weight Watchers with your mum and then mm. you, we spoke about it when I was on your podcast about like I was a chubby, I'm still chubby, right? But I suffered, suffered from my weight a long time. Was part of it also just a bit of a, uh, no. you wanted to prove, prove that you could? No. It no? wasn't. No, it was honestly. It's the uh, wanting to do that men's health thing was. I wanted very much to reach a part of society that otherwise would have written me off. Mm. All right, and you know, validating. That's a very difficult thing to do to be the cover of Men's Health magazine. Oh, There's yeah. only twelve a year, yeah. and make that. That's nine once you take. Well, 10 once you we'll take, take Wahlberg and Rock or four because they'll, they'll put Rock and Wahlberg on there twice a year, yeah, all right? Absolutely. And fair enough, those you know yeah. those guys are incredible. Wahlberg's <laughs> in unbelievable shape. So it's a very difficult thing to get. It's a very hard thing to achieve. Mm. And so having that validation is – if you read the article, yeah, I don't talk about lifting weights once. Mm. All I talk about is mental health and drinking, yep. alcohol addiction. Yep. You know, it was actually a, a really lovely Trojan horse. Yeah, well, it's about, it's, well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's constantly about reaching people, right? Well, mate, mental health is health. Yeah, of course it is. It is. Yes, men's health. It's Absolutely, fucking health, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I, look, and I think it's it's it shows two things. One that you know it's not for everybody. I mean, obviously, medication helps a lot of people. It helped me, um, but I think it does prove that there is there is a life without medication that's possible for for some people, mate, right? And if, and, if I needed to, Jamie, mm. I'll go back on meds today. Yeah. Today, I, I get that. all right, because life is too short to wake up every morning gritting my teeth, mm. thinking the world is going to end, mm. which it was every single day. And yep. it, it's, life is too short for that. Yep. And what are you affecting as well? Is that I'm bringing this cloud of doom and affecting my kid, affecting my wife. Mm. You, know, I'm, you know, I'm like a stink. I'm like a bad fart that won't leave the room, <laughs> you know. It's like, you, you know, because you're not affecting just you. You're affecting everyone around you. Mm. And it's not fair on them either. So you take responsibility, take control, all right. Yep. If that's happening to you, do the right thing for yourself and your family and and do that. And I would go on it again. If I was struggling again, mm. I, would, I, would do, I would do it tomorrow if I needed to. Man, I know we're short on time. Um, so just one like, finish off. Finish off with something light. Um, rage. Tell me about it, because because we're kind of of similar generation. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't. I noticed uh, from reading the book, I didn't realize you were a roadie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spoke a lot. I'm that's also why, that's by why the way, hearing aids. Right ba- bass player, bass player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but um, how good was it? So just for people who are listening overseas, <laughs> we have a, uh, a public broadcaster here. That is, you know, a very, we're very really lucky to have a public broadcaster. And on Saturday nights, they run music videos and have mm. done run music videos overnight since 1980. It's like the longest running, something like it's like it the longest running show very long on time. ABC. And I don't know, about 20, 30 years ago, they started letting people guest program it. Mm. So I got to program 64 songs. Um, How much did you sweat over your choices? Because it, mate, because I had a list pretty ready to go. <laughs> you had my rage list. I had the list, I had the list pretty <laughs> ready to go. If ever asked to go on rage, bam. I was, I was pretty ready to go. Uh, and I, talk, I wrote a lot about it in the book, you know, because I basically wanted to just write a soundtrack to the book. Yep. Okay. And which is what I did. I found of those songs, of the 64 songs I programmed, I found 60 mm. on Spotify. So I've put the playlist up there. But. You know, I did seven years on Channel V, which was a music yeah, television totally. channel here. So I had plenty. I had seven years You're to nerd out. You're a programmer, out. yeah. I had 70 years to nerd out. To nerd out on to your be top able to sit, 64. To sit on that couch <laughs> and to go, and this is why Prince is the greatest ever. <laughs> 
was really good. Oh. And I got to you know, I got to play some pretty weird Viking metal. And I got to play Carly Rae Jepsen. And I had people getting upset at me for playing Hanson. And there's actually oh. one bloke got upset at me for mentioning Metallica and Hanson in the same tense. Oh, I love like, I love that I'm music like, snobs come out of the woodwork. I'm like, mate, what if I told you that it's it's possible to like Metallica and Hanson? <laughs> And that Hanson's second record is amazing. And just put your ego to one side and enjoy a nice pop song. It's good for you. It, makes, it feels like the sun coming out on a day when you've forgotten your sweater. That's what Hanson is like. And they're brilliant. And Taylor Hanson, oh, he's got like five children, six on the way. He's uh, He rose, I think he rose, um, he rose uh, stroke for the Tulsa rowing. No. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. He's Man, a, that's some obscure music trivia you've got he's, going. He's there. a handsome devil. He can play a piano. That <laughs> band, I love that band. They're that, such good guys and an incredible band. Well, you heard it here first, Osh Ginsberg, <laughs> Hanson super fan. They are amazing, mate. You have uh, thank you so much for being on my humble podcast, mate. Thanks mate, for having me. You have been a huge inspiration to me personally, and mate, you are unbelievably brave and an inspiration to all. So thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, Jamie, mate. Jamie, I appreciate it. I'm grateful to be here, and we're all in this together. Together, man. Don't let that brain tell you you're alone. You're not. Mate. We're not special snowflakes. We're all humans <laughs> going through this together and there are way better ideas than we've got. So just put your ego to one side and go, oh, there you go. That's a better way to do things. <laughs> totally. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no worries, man. I hope you enjoyed Osha's interview and that uh, open and honest conversations around mental health are absolutely crucial. Osher's openness will definitely help people. I highly recommend that you read his book back after the break. It's a raw, honest insight into his journey. Again, if you're struggling, don't feel embarrassed to reach out. Contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Um, for those of you who are curious, the planet we were referring to uh, around Star Wars is Alderaan. I should have known better. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, then please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help. Today's episode was brought to you by The Founder Circle, a free peer support group for entrepreneurs and founders where they can safely share things they wouldn't ordinarily share with others. To find out more, go to www.thefoundercircle.com. And if you'd like to find out more about me or the podcast, then check out www.jamiepride.com. Thanks for listening and subscribe to make sure you get all of the latest episodes. Have a great week and don't forget to take care of yourself.